Yes. Hi, Marty. It's Lindley. <laughs> Lindley, Faye, as I live and breathe. You old as so-and-so. As you live and breathe. <laughs> you old so-and-so. Uh, what's Sorry up, Lindley? Sorry I missed you. Yes, uh, yeah, still on time. Yeah. Uh, you yes. had kind of a rough week, yeah? Oh, my gosh. It's been so dramatic. And I, I have kind of tend to lean to the dramatic side to begin with. What? Um, <laughs> right. Um, but so my, I had no water for like a couple of days because they were doing maintenance on a pipe. And then after the freeze, my pipes burst and I was doing all the things like running mm-hmm. the taps. And, um, so there was just water everywhere. And, um, then I get a laughable email from the city of Oklahoma city that says, please conserve your water. <laughs> yeah. And you're like listening to it gush into the yeah, or whatever. Um, you know what the problem is, Lindley, what you failed to do? What did was I fail to do? To, yeah. You failed to keep an attitude of prayer. I've got help from those people. So why don't I try it? Well, yeah. I mean, also you could have, I don't know, hail Satan. I don't know. You could have, there's all kinds of, there's all kinds of supplementary, uh, precautionary uh, efforts you could make to keep your pipes from flooding. Matter of fact, worshiping Satan might be better because I hear it's warm where he is. So Yeah, I right. I mean, I was um, just spewing holy water. It was a, <laughs> it was a constant yeah, you, text back and forth with like, me and my neighbor. You should have invited a priest over so he could just bless the whole bless thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it will sanctify your the land beneath your home. Uh, How's uh, it going over there? Oh, it's been fine. Uh, the dogs have been pretty good about the whole thing. Uh, they don't. Uh, this has been big babies first. Oh, yeah. You know, first first bad weather with us, uh, oh, bad weather, cold weather with precipitation. And he is not a huge fan of getting his feet in the snow. Um, Me too. <laughs> yeah, he's, I'm much the same. A lot of his personality uh, is the same as mine. Like, <laughs> he he trusts dogs more than he trusts people. That's a good example. Ew. Uh, he'd just as soon be left alone on the elevator, um, <laughs> yeah. you know. Um, um, yeah, anyway. Uh, yeah, they've been fine. We've been fine. Uh, uh, this was a convenient – I know it wasn't super great for office workers or whatever, but, like, the fact that Monday was already kind of a built-in day off for – right. Uh, most office professionals, that was really, I think that was really convenient uh, and good, actually, like to have that built in when we happen to have some really severe, like precipitation and cold, uh, you know, to keep people off the streets when they don't have to be. So it was kind of nice. We, it, it honestly, the weekend, having Joe Beth come home early on Friday and then just have the whole weekend together, it honestly felt like yeah, it, it felt like a replacement uh, for 
how most people spend their holidays. Uh, it, you know, we played some board games, uh, watched some movies, you know. You had, had yourself some, a snow day. Yeah, we had a whole snow weekend. Snow weekend. Yeah, yeah it was nice. Uh, so, yeah, things are fine over here. We don't lose power because we live in a building that is over four mm-hmm. stories. And here's a fun oh. fact about about code. Uh, in Oklahoma City, building code, uh, any building over four stories, any residential, sorry, any residential building over four stories is required by code to have a generator. Oh, I thought you were going to say because of your proximity to the jail, something like that. Um, No, no, it turns out that doesn't actually, (laughs) downtown's (laughs) infrastructure is actually really old, uh, older than a lot of the city, so... Shit does break down down here. However, it gets replaced more often. So we don't really experience any water main breaks downtown, but Mm -hmm. we do get water pressure issues. uh, And, um, you know, uh, the jail particularly has a lot of problems with air handling. Um, Let's Speaking of, uh, this kind (laughs) of dovetails into two of our main topics. Uh, hey, everybody. Welcome. <laughs> Welcome to the OKC Span <laughs> podcast <laughs> edition with co-ghosts Lindley Faye Smith and I'm me. Back. That's right. Lindley's back. And then me, Marty Wayne Piercy. I've got the middle name of criminals <laughs> all across America. <laughs> um, so, yeah, today we wanted to talk about policing and specifically get into a little bit of the uh, of the surveillance apparatus in Oklahoma City in the in the form of the real-time crime center. Before we get to that, though, Lindley, could we talk just briefly about winter shelter? Yeah. Um, okay. So, uh, Lindley and I uh, got to tour the new... Uh, long-term winter shelter at Homeless Alliance uh, about a month ago, maybe, uh, right around, right before they opened uh, Mm -hmm. that place. And uh, got pretty excited about the potential for it and how much, I mean, you know, how much life will be protected with that. Uh, That's hard to, uh, let me just throw this in, Something in nonprofits in general, I'd say especially uh, where where I see it because of exposure, but also just because of the logistics of sheltering uh, uh, people who are unhoused. Um, a lot of shelters have moved to program-based sheltering, uh, and what I mean by that is to have to be able to stay in the shelter for more than just a couple of nights as an emergency. You have to enroll in a program at the at the place. I'd say like hmm. a good example is Jesus House. You kind of have to be in, and, and Jesus House was built for this. I mean, this is what they were founded on, but to stay in Jesus House long-term, you have to enroll in a sobriety program. Hmm. Um, and I, of course, you and I have this background that we would probably we could probably make a long list of uh, mm-hmm. of policy and practice that we don't think is good. Uh, they definitely mm-hmm. do some stuff that's not 
industry standard for best practice, pretty old fashioned. Um, another example similar is City Rescue Mission. Um, their their longer term stay is is all program based, mostly mostly sobriety programs and work programs. Um, mm -hmm. And the reason that so many shelters have switched to that model is because it it provides outcomes to point to for donors. You uh -huh. say this many people graduated this program. This and many grant people, applications too. Absolutely. This many people, yeah, with this money, we can put this many people through and get them working or whatever. Whereas emergency shelter or just temporary shelter, there are no outcomes to show, no demonstrable outcomes. We call those outcomes but for outcomes because uh, what that means is that uh, the weather was eight degrees last night and we had several hundred people at our shelter and but for our shelter some of those people might have died but mm -hmm, that's not mm -hmm. that's not a number you can give a donor and say see you know you really need those donors to understand uh, that aspect, and this is part of the problem of the nonprofit industrial complex, right, <laughs> is that mm -hmm. we do rely on people with money to help us do things that really are necessary to the survival and, hum and, and humane life of so many men vulnerable members of our community. Um, don't trip over that soapbox or anything. <laughs> I could stay on it longer. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Fair everyone. You know, I mean, like, we were just talking about, I'm not going to name names, but we were just talking about one organization that rejected supplies from your nonprofit mm -hmm. uh, because, uh, correct me if I'm, well, you go ahead and say it. I don't need to speak um, for you. Yeah, they, um, upon reviewing some of our, um, information they saw that we are you know we don't gender anyone because we as everyone should respect all humans and whatever gender they choose to have and whatever if that aligns with their birth gender it doesn't matter and um so that was a problem the fact that we donate to trans and gender fluid individuals yeah so let's make sure all of these people don't have what they need because I've got a semantic problem with this. <laughs> but yeah, I, when we when we work to please donors uh, instead of to uh, serve our mission constituency, that we just failed automatically. Um, yeah, uh, uh, failed our mission. Um, uh, one person, Effie. Craven Rourke uh, is a nonprofit professional. She there's a uh, there's a Twitter account shit nonprofits say, and it's very funny if you have swam <laughs> swam in those waters for long. But they they pose the question: What's one thing about nonprofit life that you wish everybody in nonprofits understood? And she said. Sometimes you have to serve your mission, even though it upsets your donors. And like, yeah, that's fundamental, right? But that's not how, that's not how it works. Uh, yeah, for for a number of reasons. That's not what the that's not the topic of this podcast. Actually, we want to talk about what some of the locals are doing very well. Um, <laughs> 
just very briefly, I want to give some stats. So we've uh, obviously, like we said, we've had really severe, really cold weather with uh, some significant precipitation here and there. That's obviously deadly uh, if you're out in it mm-hmm. uh, for, for an extended amount of time, potentially deadly. Um, and so I wanted to kind of give a rundown of what, what we've seen over the weekend uh, and like through this cold snap uh, from some of the local shelters, because we don't just have that long-term I don't, you and I haven't talked about this, but we don't just have the long-term shelter at homeless Alliance on Mm -hmm. super cold nights. There's other overflow sheltering at Mm -hmm. some of the other, some of the other shelters. Um, And we've had that for the last week and for the coming few days at least um but uh so the homeless alliance shelter you'll recall has 300 beds um and they have seen about 350 people a night um and so they've got 300 beds they've had 50 mats out too um and i asked about dogs by the way uh, mm-hmm. and they had they have had i think he said 40 to 50 dogs each night and two wow. cats they've had two cats um, <laughs> but, but yeah that's significant right uh that's yeah. a significant number um uh and then, and i personally i love to hear that because i i love animals as honestly more than i like people most of the time but also like i it's not like when you live outside, you don't love your dog as much as you love yours or I love mine, you know? Mm-hmm. And in fact, mm-hmm. for a lot of people who live outside and have companion animals, that animal, they'll sacrifice uh, mm-hmm. anything to keep that animal safe. Like they will skip a meal so that their dog gets to eat. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Um, and so uh, like, providing a place for those animals is super important for those companions, but also I've known a lot of people who wouldn't go to shelter because they couldn't take their dog. Uh, Makes sense. Yeah, of course. What are you going to leave your animal out in your campsite or something? Like that doesn't make sense. So, so having that kennel space is super important. um, And I'm really, uh, really proud of them for, Knowing that and for planning for that, you know, the day shelter has a kennel too, which they've moved this. I'll get to that in a second. But uh, as far as over, well, let's stay with Homeless Alliance. So, you know, they have the day shelter and that's open now seven days a week. Uh, That Mm -hmm. started last year at some point, but they have seen one day they had 450 people in the day shelter. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. I mean, that's, it's too many. I mean, I've been there, you know, I used, I'm sure nobody knows this, but I used to work at the Homeless Alliance. But uh, <laughs> I will tell you, in my experience, anytime you get 300 or more people in there, it is chaos. It's problematic as fuck. And it's just, it's super tough. So imagine adding half again, as many people to that max mm-hmm. number. It just, it is very difficult for the guests. It's very difficult for the staff. Uh, it's very difficult for visitors and service providers who come in to do their work. It's just, it's a mess. Uh, but uh, if we didn't have that, 
it's it's cold as shit out there right now. It's not mm-hmm. dark. It's not raining or snowing. But it's I mean, I'm just out there with my dogs, and it is 20 degrees. And I'm pretty tough to the cold. I'm inured to it. Uh, but uh, man, it if I had to be out there for an hour rather than 10 minutes walking the dogs, I'd be pretty miserable. I need to be a lot more bundled up than I was. And to think about staying out there with like not sufficient zero rated gear, uh, mm-hmm. you know, like just a flimsy tent that you got for free and a Walmart Coleman brand sleeping bag or whatever, like yeah. it's not sufficient. Or even um, folks who are staying in their cars too. I mean, that's, Oh, for sure. Yeah. That, that in itself super, is dangerous. It's dangerous. Yeah. I've, and there's so many things that I've learned from, from clients and get like, and one of my guys was like, I just don't think there's so many people who are new and green out here. I just don't think they know stuff like, like you got to put cardboard down. Uh, if you're, mm-hmm. Especially if you're on concrete, you got to put cardboard down below where you're going to sleep, underneath where you're going to sleep, or you'll freeze to the ground. I'm like, oh shit, man, I didn't know that. Because um, I've never tried to sleep on concrete outside in freezing and lower temperatures. Yeah. So, okay. So they've been doing a great job of just protecting people. This is just harm reduction though. This does not solve or address homelessness. This is, this keeps people from dying while they wait for the rest of us to make the necessary sacrifices, uh, which aren't that big um, Mm -hmm. in order to house people, because you know what solves homelessness? Housing. Uh, (laughs) Having a place to live solves homelessness. Yeah. Um, it's it's a lot less complicated than people want it to be, and also it's more complicated because human greed uh, stands in the way. Uh, but let me just go uh, – again, don't trip over my soapbox. Let me tell you a little bit about the other shelters uh, because, like I said, during the winter there's other overflow. So uh, City Rescue Mission has seen about 100 people – uh, sheltering in their overflow space. Uh, City Rescue Mission has the most available extra space, so they open it up. They do a pretty good job of that. Uh, mm-hmm. Honestly, I have my criticisms of CRM, but they do that pretty well when it's time to open up space. Uh, they've got plenty of it, and they let people in. Uh, the Sal- the Salvation Army, I call it the Sally. I don't, I always have um, the Salvation <laughs> Army. Every not, I don't, maybe that's an industry term because we all have to use it so much, but I've always called it the Sally. I, I, honestly, I think that's just a street name for it, the Sally, but uh, I think that's where I got it. But um, they have seen about six people. Uh, their capacity for overflow is actually kind of small. Um, they have a storm shelter that they built that fits about 25 mm. sleeping people. Uh, so that's mm-hmm. where their overflow is. That's expanded, greatly expanded from what they had before. But they've seen about six uh, in their overflow city care, which is full every day, year-round. Uh, their overflow mm-hmm. has seen 15 to 20 people, and Sisu has seen about six to 10 extra young people uh, in their shelter. Oh, mm-hmm. something I didn't mention about the day shelter. It has a kennel, too kennel is exterior to the building so they actually move the kennel inside the day shelter at homeless alliance yeah which is good they have it in the large classroom 
uh, and I got to say, uh, I want to say this as gently and non-critical as possible, but the day shelter gets some pretty chaotic aromas going on and adding <laughs> adding a couple dozen dogs to the mix uh, <laughs> really really livened the the odor of that place uh, up quite <laughs> quite a bit <laughs> but just I that many bodies that, in one place oh my god yeah uh and we, extra warm in there <laughs> um, right i just okay. wanted to cover some of that just for Honestly, for informational purposes, for anybody listening, so they know what's going on and they know where to put their their donation dollars. I hate to say it, but like, mm-hmm. like, it is good for you to give somebody on the street a few bucks, bottle of water, some hand warmers, socks. Socks are super important during this time, well, year round, but especially during winter when your feet get really wet and then very cold. Um, I think homeless alliance. Yes, above the ankle socks, please. Uh, love you, Bombas. Thank you for donating so many socks. <laughs> ankle socks are not ideal. Uh, so, but yeah, if you've got some stuff to donate, some money specifically, but some of those small items, socks, hand warmers, um, stuff like that, um, cash is better. But I would really recommend the day shelter at Homeless Alliance or just – Homeless Alliance in general, because they're going to spread those resources out appropriately. Um, and they are the day shelter is the place that most people experiencing homelessness in Oklahoma City are going to happen through. Uh, I want to also mention as far as places to go during the day for people who don't have a home, uh, the day shelter is good. The libraries are open. Mm-hmm. And that's, I say this a lot, libraries are among the precious and rare yeah, public spaces where you can expect to be able to spend a long time without spending any money. And that's very important as a social good. Um, also, though, Joe's Addiction down on 59th, Southeast yeah. 59th, that, uh, they've been open during the day and they've been seeing a lot of people, a lot of people. Um, uh, my friend Jamie Zumwalt is the founder and the pastor and the operator of that place. Uh, and she's just, she and her, her partner, John, are just two of the best people in Oklahoma City, honestly. But, like, they, they've been uh, having a lot of guests. So you might, uh, you might hit them up and see what they need donation-wise um, and follow their Facebook page for updates about who they're seeing, what's going on there, and what they might need. Um, okay, I feel like I handled all that business. Do you feel like that's sufficient? Yeah, I do. I feel like I will just add, I mean, I could talk about the library as a soapbox I can get on for a very long time, um, mm-hmm. but they're very hesitant to close mm-hmm. um, in, in inclement weather. Um, so odds are they're going to be open. It would just be if they're, the roads are really slick. So just nine times out of ten, they're going to be open. And they're open until uh-huh. nine, so it's a good warming station in the evening. Yeah. Yeah, the library, public library, there was one public library, God, I think it was Cincinnati. It's been several years, and I, I used a lot of drugs and alcohol in between <laughs> then and now. But uh, 
Yeah, one public library basically just decided against city wishes and county wishes uh, to be open 24 hours during a particularly bad winter storm years ago. Uh, a lot of people who lived on the streets organized and appealed to them, and the people working the library said yes, and then actually made a movie about it. Uh, anyway, look that up. I don't know the name of it. Um, <laughs> Okay, okay, so what we wanted to talk about, the purpose of, like, the main topic we wanted to talk about today was about policing, and specifically this real-time crime center. Um, what do you, uh, you read an article, I sent you an article this week uh, to talk about, I mean, that was talking about real-time crime centers and how they're popping up all over the country and kind of what they do. Do you want to give a little brief uh explanation of what the real-time crime center is about yes um so it the name kind of describes it pretty well but it's any sort of it's kind of a broad term wouldn't you say marty oh yeah yeah now yeah what, yeah what does that mean um, so it can be anything from i was actually asking marty before we go on the phone does it does this include cameras that red, like red light cameras and i wasn't even sure if oklahoma had those or not and it's like that's a baby step into more more surveillance. Mm-hmm. You can go really doomsday on it. Right. Uh, yeah, and I, I, I'm a big believer in uh, worst-case scenario for mm-hmm. most government institutions, especially the police. What's the worst that could happen with this? That's what's probably going to happen with it. Mm-hmm. Um, we have license plate readers uh, in Oklahoma. I am not actually sure that we have have them at any red lights. Uh, we have them on the turnpike, uh, and we have mobile ones that get set up around town. Like um, you'll see them on 23rd Street a lot between uh, May and the and 235, uh, and they're basically set up to see if that car's been involved in a crime and. Uh, hmm. to see that they have insurance registered for that license wow. plate. Um, uh, yeah, it's I, to me, that's nefarious. I know people who don't think about policing might not, you know, well, if you aren't doing anything wrong, what do you have to hide, that kind of right. thing. But, like, that's because you're comfortable in your situation and you're not the one being targeted. Um Something that they got into, it's a, it seems doomsday, but it's it's really not, um, is there would be live cameras around, and they could uh-huh. see I walk out of my house, it would recognize me, and then they could follow me to where I'm going, should I be suspected of a crime, or a person of color, just in general. Um, and that's kind of, that's what it really hooked me, where I thought, oh, I don't like this. Well, yeah, and that, that's a really good point, and I think uh, the rollout of ours, uh, of our real-time crime center uh, in Oklahoma City, I, I hesitate to call it ours uh, because uh, they didn't ask me about it. Um, mm-hmm. But there was an extreme lack of transparency and communication about the rollout. Uh, basically, mm-hmm. it was the police and the city manager and the budget people. <laughs> That's, you know, like they didn't, they didn't discuss this with most of the city council, especially, obviously, the 
with mm-hmm. Hammond, uh, Hammond specifically, but Hammond and Nice. I don't know if they talked about it with James Cooper. Couldn't speak to that. Haven't talked to him about it. Um, but they weren't transparent about. Also, what little pushback they got, they tried to do a spin where they started. They kind of rebranded it as the Real Time Information Center, which is oh yeah, yeah absolutely not. God, I, right? I love public relations. Oh man, it's like my favorite is the uh, Clean Air and Water Act that uh, made it super easier for companies to poison the air and the water. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, so they didn't talk about what the thing was, how they were going to launch it. uh, And and more importantly, they didn't talk, they haven't been transparent about policy governing the use of the technology they have at their disposal. Um, And that technology increases surveillance capacity around the city. So they they've done this before historically police departments across the country probably around the world but certainly in oklahoma city we've seen this before a very good example is that uh the city council authorized the purchase of some drones for the Mm -hmm. police department and i was there at that meeting taking notes and covering it and the chief of police wade gorley said that these drones would be used for traffic enforcement and uh, um, accidents and stuff like that, but not for tracking people, um, Mm -hmm. is what he said. And they have routinely been used to track people, to follow, quote, unquote, fugitives, uh, people running from the police, uh, stuff like that. That's what the drones have been used for. It directly contradicts what he said in that meeting. But there's no policy apparently governing that. Um, and we're seeing the same thing with their surveillance capacity uh, with this real-time crime center and the, the cameras and, and other surveillance tools that they have. Um, and well, specifically... Also brought... Go ahead. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. <laughs> um no, you hang up first. You hang up. Anyway, um, they uh, right. specifically mentioned, too, um, you can't control what partners with third parties they use with this surveillance. So mm-hmm. they even referenced ring alarm bells. It would be a potential yeah. way to, to expand on the um, point of it following me. It could follow me from house to house. Yeah. And, and, let, and let me just tack on to that real quick that, like, this might bother some of our listeners and some of my friends, uh, but like, man, please don't get a ring doorbell. And if you have it, please get rid of it. Like you are <laughs> offering the government an opportunity to surveil your neighbors and also you. And it's just, please don't. Just don't. Why? And also don't uh, like, you think that that's going to help you, and that is not going to change anything about your life uh, in any really significant way that counterbalances the fact that you are offering the police and the state in general access to what other people are doing uh, in your community. And I just don't think that's appropriate, and especially 
not without the consensus of your neighbors and your community members. I just don't think it's appropriate. Um, it's a violation of, of, privacy. of privacy, but also just uh, goodwill. Um, so I just really, I have a problem with those <laughs> in general, obviously. And I know I have friends who have them and I would encourage them to I get rid of one, them. But... Right. I, uh, I live in an apartment, so it's not even an option for me. Uh, not that I would consider it, but sorry, didn't mean to interrupt. Well, I didn't mean to interrupt, but I just wanted to tack that on. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so one of the issues about this and the failing of having policy, like specifically addressing this, is that like we haven't in any way addressed inequalities among people who will be surveilled. Like, it is not a surprise, should not be a surprise to you, to anybody that uh, they are not surveilling Coyle Creek. They're surveilling the <laughs> south side. They're surveilling the east side. As, uh-oh, sounds like the big baby's found a toy. Toy. <laughs> Take it away. Here you go, bud. Have this bone. Um, so, uh, yeah, we, we don't have any policy restricting how and where and who um, the surveillance is happening to. And that's a huge problem to me because obviously, I think if you don't understand that there is racial bias involved in all of policing, then you're just fooling yourself. I mean, the evidence is clear as day. <laughs> the writing's on the wall, right? So, And your ignorance fascinates me. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, I kind of want to know how you do it, but I've got an example of this about who's getting surveilled. There was a guy, um, uh, I'm vague on a couple of the details, but also the ones that I have, I have to be judicious about what I share because it's, uh, because of this guy's privacy, but the guy is a Muslim man um, who was mistaken at some point in government process. And so he's on the list, but it's not him. Uh, oh so he's been confused with somebody. So he shouldn't have been on the list in the first place. But the police were systematically harassing him by following his license plate. Um, and uh, I'll say CARE, the organization CARE got involved, thankfully. Oh, did they? And have, Good. Yeah, they've, they've worked with with him and uh, tried to be a, uh, a fence around him to keep him from the danger of over-policing. But, I, but that's a very good example of, like, what gives them the, the right to follow a community member around? Uh, and, you know, okay, I think this speaks to a fundamental issue with how we as a people are treated, but also specifically how the police treat the poor and vulnerable and, uh, and non-white members of our community. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a higher crime rate in Oklahoma City than we do in Chicago or New York. We, we don't have less policing. In fact, we have more. Uh, but we have a higher crime rate. Well, I think that's a chicken or the egg. Like, mm-hmm. it was Donald Trump's comment about testing for COVID. The more you test, the more you're going to find it. Well, 
similarly in application, the more the police are looking to arrest people, the more people they're going to arrest, right? And, and here's what we have to ask ourselves as a community. We're getting ready for budget times. I think it's a really important no. time for people to have this this conversation. Are we in Oklahoma City more criminogenic than the people of Chicago, than the people of New York, than the people of Los Angeles? Are we more criminal than they are? Seems unlikely. Mm-hmm. But we're treated that way. We're over-policed in a way, and I'm going to say we as a member of the community, not we as a white guy in Oklahoma City, but mm-hmm, right. we as a community are, are, are policed in a way that we are all, white guy or not, we are all not citizens, not residents of the city, but rather to the police, we are all criminals waiting to happen. And that's not an acceptable way for the state to treat us. Period. Yeah, and the police department can ask for money. They have the endless funds to do this shit. Oh, yeah. Exactly. No, and by the way, that's just a bullshit budgetary thing for the police, and I'll die on this hill. Mm-hmm. They, they will say our crime rate is high. We need more money. We need more money. We need more money. And they'll get that money. And then or, if by <laughs> chance they get the crime rate lower, they'll say, see, what we're doing is working. We need more money. We need more money. No, like, it's insane. Like, nothing works that way in regular life. I, like, I'm not doing my job as well as I say I'm going to, so probably I need a raise to do that. <laughs> and then it's like, I did my job okay. I need a raise for that too. Like, it's just... It's so frustrating and so transparently nonsense, uh, mm-hmm. but it is politicized. It is political. All all things are political, but like it is politicized in a in such a way that draws a binary line between the law followers and the non-law followers. But you ask around, ask in your church community, ask in your neighborhood. Almost nobody you know hasn't had a friend or family member in jail. Most people you mm-hmm. know have contributed to getting somebody bailed out of jail. Mm-hmm. Like almost everybody in America has somebody, at least one person in their life, who's been to jail. It, does that mean that Americans are a criminal class? It's insane. Like, I, I, it's very frustrating, and we don't have specifically with this real-time crime center or the ones popping up around the country. We all have policies to address that um, that kind of inequity. Um, mm-hmm. So I, you know, uh, it reminds me of Russia. Like we we get so many like so many people are anti-Russia, anti-Soviet, and have been throughout the Cold War, uh, this is exactly how the worst version of the Soviet government works. Every mm-hmm. member of society is a potential criminal, and it is at the whim of the state to decide when you are. That's, that's dangerous for all of us. For all mm-hmm. of us, not just the poor, not just people of color, uh, that is dangerous for all of us, and, and I really hope that people will will kind of tune into that idea. Like, we, people will crow about 
the Bill of Rights, uh, Second Amendment, which, by the way, I'm a, I'm a believer in the Second Amendment. I think it should be applied the way the Constitution says, and that's not how <laughs> the Second Amendment people are about it. But, mm. uh, but like, yeah, I'm, I'm pro-gun, I, especially with the government and the state increasingly uh, polarizing us all and and demonizing some of us. I just feel like it is better, like they're far better armed than we are. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but like you crow about rights and liberties and tell it somebody else's. And this is such a clear violation of many of the Bill of Rights. Like this is, uh, this is a Fourth Amendment issue, not just a First Amendment issue. I, like uh, we are essentially quartering <laughs> and like an occupying force uh, um, mm-hmm. from the state, and that fundamentally goes against the the bare bones of the Constitution. I I wish there was some consistency about that from both you know both the left uh, and the right, and also the center where there are no bones at all. Um, so um, I'm. That article that I sent you, excellent article, Wired uh, in general. Mm-hmm, yeah, it was Wired. Yeah. Um, I'll try to re- remember to post that in the show notes mm-hmm. um, and uh, on Twitter. Um, yeah, it's nice and short. You can even listen to it. Yeah, that's right. Uh, it's something we were discussing earlier is accessibility. Um for articles like I really appreciate the folks at Black Wall Street Times because all of their articles have a tab at the beginning of the article for listening to the article instead of reading it and for people with impaired vision and for people who haven't had the opportunity to learn uh, to read English like that's pretty mm-hmm. pretty valuable uh, for access and equity. Um, and I'm glad you pointed. Thank you for pointing that out to to me and to everybody else, Lindley. Um, it, since we're on the topic of police, do you have anything else to say about that real time crime center? I don't no, know. not really. I just encourage folks to do their do some research on it. See yeah, that we're and, not like doomsday people. Uh, and we are uh, we're open to questions about that stuff. Yeah, if you have questions. If you want to challenge our thoughts and, and comments about it, I would welcome that. But also, if you have questions about how certain things work or where to look, like I'm happy, we're both happy to help uh, help you find that research, help you find that data. Um, uh, we're both pretty good at digging in, and I have just a couple of connections that can help me with knowing where to look. Uh, so feel free uh, to email us at okcspanpod at gmail or to get at us on twitter at Lindley Smith at real marty piercy or better yet at okc <laughs> underscore span and yeah. um, i talked a little bit uh in the i did a mini episode mini episode missed you uh but mm-hmm. we did like a 20 minute episode just so that people knew we were still out here um and I want to talk a little bit about the jail, but uh, the jail site stuff is really getting uh, 
drug out uh, there there have been a lot of site suggestions and most of them have been shut down for various reasons I don't know if you know this there's actually a list of criteria I should find mm-hmm. it and send it to you um, of what the site must include like there's a size requirement of course but there's also proximity uh, yeah. is one of the requirements it needs to be a 10-minute drive from downtown. Downtown. And there's a bus requirement as well, right? Yes. we need. Well, I don't know that it's required. It is something that we will have to require as a county and a city to have transit service to wherever the jail is. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not an issue for where it is now because it's near the transit right center. Um and also most services are located nearer downtown than they are out in the hinterlands. And so uh, considering how often our community jails people for uh, for homelessness or for mental illness, other lifestyle crimes and mental illness, uh, we really need services to be accessible to people, honestly, before they ever go to jail, but certainly after they get out. Um, mm-hmm. And that's the biggest problem for me with putting it out in the out in the hinterlands is just like I know we don't as a community care about these people. We find them outsiders, even though again it's your family. I mean, like it's mm-hmm. somebody you know. Um, that's a big issue. That's a big problem to me because it it encourages recidivism. A lack of services creates crime. Like you want to fix crime. You want to lower the crime rate, help people not live in desperate poverty. (laughs) Pretty simple. Uh, I mean, it's not simple, obviously, but uh, pretty fundamental. Um, So, uh, so there are some requirements. You know, I mentioned before that it looked like the stockyards were a lock because uh, county owns property. I don't know if you know that, but stockyards are not part of Oklahoma City. Um, that is a county. That is the county, but not Oklahoma City, just in that little mm-hmm. pocket in the middle of the city. Mm-hmm. But the county already has that property, so they were looking over there, and in the land assessment, turns out that it's like a lot of river sand underneath it. So getting to a point where you can build on that, like shoring yeah. up the, the ground, it's just like that's so much of the budget up front. And let me just throw in, the bond budget is not going to cover going to. Any, any version of the jail that's been proposed will not be paid for in its entirety by the bond. So that means debt for the county, which the county doesn't do uh, traditionally. They'll do it to cage our neighbors, apparently. Uh, So this is a point to really advocate uh, to the county and somewhat to the city, mainly to the county, though, uh, because the jail is entirely the responsibility and property. It's the biggest asset and liability of the county. Um, so they're the ones to lobby, but they have every every conversation among the elected and appointed officials has been bigger jail. 
And you know what happens when we increase <laughs> the capacity for people to be jailed? We fill it. Mm-hmm. You know, and we overfill it typically. So, uh, in fact, Commissioner Calvi, uh, late of the county commission, uh, thank God, uh, he, when, when approving, when the commissioners took the vote to approve the bond question on the ballot, he said, the only thing I'd change is make it even bigger. And it's like, well, mm-hmm. you know, when we built the current jail, uh, Bob Macy was the DA, and he said, if you build it, I'll fill it up. And, like, oh, why would we celebrate and embrace <laughs> that? It's, it's so counterproductive and mm-hmm. counter to anything that we claim to be our values as a people in Oklahoma specifically. Um, the Oklahoma standard is apparently othering our neighbors and putting them in cages, and that's pathetic. That's really sad and disturbing, and it is not who we claim to want to be. Right. But your values yeah. are what you do with them, you know. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, the, so the stockyards are out. The best location, in my opinion, and I think the opinion of a lot of people in the community, including some elected officials, the best location is where the jail is now. Yeah. Uh, will it cost some money to get the abutting properties to make it right-sized to not be a tower? Sure it will. Fair market down there is pretty expensive because the market is what it is. It's capitalism, mm-hmm. and it's it, it will eat itself to, to grow. Um, so, yeah, that property is expensive. But okay, good. Good. It should cost us. Psychically, emotionally, spiritually, as well as financially, to cage mm-hmm. people, to literally put our neighbors in cages where they can be subjected to illness, oh, violence, uh, other just general deprivation or privation. Uh, like, I, it's so bad. It's so mm-hmm. bad. Uh, so it should cost us a lot. It should cost us. It should be hard we want to, put to people. make it larger. Make it, yeah, put more people in there. Take more of our community away mm-hmm. uh, and hide them away in misery uh, so they don't have to think about it. Uh, the mayor has, in back rooms, I have it on authority, not of the couple of people who people always think I'm talking about, but I have it on the authority of some other people who aren't even friends of mine that the mayor has said, if you try to do it downtown, we will not approve the permit, the permitting for it. Oh and like, that ain't, that ain't up to the mayor, first of all. Um, but downtown's where it should be. It's just where it should be. Um, now to that end, Lindley, you and I have an appointment Monday night, don't we? We do. Um, yeah, we're going to go to this forum. Have you looked into that forum at all? Nope. You're taking my word on it, huh? That's why I like <laughs> yep. to hear everybody do that. Um, now there's a forum uh, Monday night uh, at uh, Metro Tech's Spring Lake campus at 6 p.m., 6 to 7.30 p.m., kind of a town hall forum with a bunch of elected officials. That includes um, a city councilor from Dell City, three city councilors from Oklahoma City, and you can guess who they are. 
Uh, mm-hmm. We'll also have two house reps. That's Jason Lowe and Forrest Bennett. Okay. I couldn't remember and, who and Cypher Forest was there. Right. And I feel like I'm leaving somebody out, and I can't, uh, can't really think of who that might be. Now, we don't – this event will not have representation of the county, and I think that's appropriate because this is not a space for the county to come in and tell us what's happening and what mm-hmm. they think. And, like, this has – Nothing against my representative in the county, uh, Terry Bloomer. We have our personal issues. Those do not have to do with this. Uh, this is not a place for her to come and tell us what, what they're wanting to do. This is a, a place that she and the other commissioners are invited to come and have a seat and listen to our representatives from other, uh, in other aspects talk about what they've heard from the constituency and to mm-hmm. get some questions and some input from the public. I really hope that Commissioner Bloomer will come to that and listen. I hope that I would love to see Commissioner Mon and or Commissioner Davison there. The three of them can't talk to each other. Two of them can't talk to each other outside of meetings. <laughs> uh, but they can sit in three different locations in a public place. So really hope that at least one of them, if not two or three, will show up and listen to this uh, conversation. Again, that's Monday night at Metro Tech. I'll share that graphic more than once between now and then again uh, on my socials, uh, and I'll I'll send it to you so that if you want to share it, you can as well. Yeah. Um, Yeah, everybody come hang out with us on the field trip. Yeah, I and I'll be I'll be covering it live on OKC yep. Span, but there's no substitute for being there and actually hearing and seeing because I'm fast at covering that stuff, but I'm not fast enough to get every bit. So, um, well, you got anything else, Lindley? I feel like I just um, really dominated this conversation in a way I didn't uh, intend to. It's that's totally fine. You knew more about this stuff, um, and I. I feel like we had some audio issues this time. I've been like ambling around my house trying to find the best place. So I don't know what this, where the, I haven't found that spot yet. Um, the only thing no. that I will throw in there is Tuesday, January 30th in the evening, um, there's a fundraiser for period OKC. Um, what day is that again? January 30th? January 30th. And it's from. Who's? My mother. Oh, okay. Um, do you want her well, maiden well, name? <laughs> what is it? Do you want her maiden name and birthplace well, so that you can steal my identity? <laughs> right. And I'll have to take the last four of your social, too. That's right. Um, yeah, it's uh, up, down in the plaza. They have a bunch of arcades and things like that. And for yeah. every coin, they're giving us a dollar. So, oh, nice. Come play games. Mm-hmm. That's dope. Uh, if you have any graphic or anything, please send that to me so that we can promote that yes. even better. That, that sounds super fun. Uh, that's a I great know. fundraiser. Fun. Uh, let's all go. Um, let's all go and play a bunch of video games. I will take you on at Tekken. Anybody? I'll, t- I'll take all comers. Uh, um, okay. Um, that's I'm good great. at ski ball and pinball. Those are my those are my things that still work as a visually impaired person. I imagine skee-ball. Do you know what that's based on? Like what the inspiration no. for skee-ball? For, it was ski jumps. Oh! I'm not kidding. It's a Nordic base. Uh, it's a Nordic-born game uh, that we all <laughs> we all know and love. 
I like playing skee ball, uh, but shooting like it's a basketball. <laughs> um, strictly forbidden in most skee ball halls. Um, so, okay, well, um, I think that's it for this week then. Yeah. Well, um, uh, audio nice issues aside, it's always yeah. nice to talk to you. Uh, I know, uh, it is. I'm so glad that uh, we get to be friends and. Um, hopefully, sixty other people will enjoy. <laughs> please, y'all, please tell friends, uh, especially friends in Oklahoma City and County, about this podcast and help us uh, kind of grow a little bit. We we need to get our audio issues better, but it's hard to do that without more listenership. Kind of, yeah, it's kind of catch twenty two kind of issue right now, but. Uh, all right, and don't forget, you can email us at okcspanpod at gmail. Uh, Lindley, thank you as always. Thank you. I'll talk to you soon. Okay, love you, bye. Okay, love you, bye.